the portions of scripture here about these uh, three parables, and let's just uh, have a word of prayer before we begin. Lord Jesus, today as we look at these parables, which really are connected, they're all kingdom parables. You started out with the, the thought, the kingdom of heaven is like. And so we, we recognize you wanted these to be connected and for us to think about them as a group. And as we think about them, I, I pray that you might help us to ponder that pearl of great price, what it is. And who could afford it? And Lord Jesus, today I pray that as we think about all of this, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I might have a very usable gift to proclaim your word with all of the truth and the excitement and the spiritual unction that your word deserves. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we think about this section, we, we notice that these are uh, they're parables, stories, if you uh, would. And, and who, who doesn't like a story? I mean, isn't that a lot of times what we do when we turn the TV on? We, we watch a story, and it's in a very animated way. But, you know, we have some of these other stories that we, we think about stories, and many of them, especially the ones in the Scriptures, they have a dual meaning, don't they? There's the parable, and then there's the scriptural side, the physical aspects and the spiritual truths that are, are being taught to us. And as we, as we consider these parables, we notice that. We, we love stories, whether they be fables. You know, the best kind of stories, though, involve children. Sometimes uh, the things that children try to tell us that's a story, and, and in their mind, maybe they get something a little bit wrong, or they... They maybe tell something that we as adults probably wouldn't have said. And I think back to a time of one time when Nathan, we were riding in the car. He was very small. And, uh, and we said, well, what happens? What do you do when somebody's choking? And he goes, I know, I know. You use the hemlock remover. <laughs> you know, and he just had the word wrong, but you know, if you have hemlock, you want it removed, don't you? <laughs> you know, it's, it's poisonous. Stories are, are great ways of teaching. And Jesus was, he was the master of telling a story that had physical aspects and spiritual parts to it. But not only did he tell stories for the, the, the two parts, the physical and the, uh, the spiritual, but he told stories for two other reasons. And he explains that. It's so that those who are trusting in him might get the spiritual aspect to it. And for those that just blatantly reject him, that they wouldn't really get anything from it. Luke chapter 8 verse 10, Jesus explains, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, and though hearing they may not understand. He hid the truth from unbelievers. He knew the importance of these parables. And for those that were his followers, he made sure that they understood. 
Do you remember at the very end of all of the, uh, the, the parables that Phil read, what was verse 51? Jesus simply said, have you understood all of these things? And they replied, yes. Today, as we look at these parables, we realize the important truths and ask ourselves that question that Jesus asked of his disciples. Do we understand the meaning and the implications of our lives. I'm going to take the, the last parable first because it, it, it gives us a real warning and then we'll, we'll go on to the, uh, the, the next two parables which are really parallel. They're, they have the same meaning. But that, that first parable, or that really it's the last one, the, what are the physical aspects of that parable? And it's, Jesus is speaking, what kind of men are these? Most of them or many of them were what by occupation? They were actually fishermen. So he's talking to guys that, that really know what this is all about. They've, they've gone through it. They understood the process of pulling in the net and sorting the fish, keeping the, the good fish and those fish that were, were no good uh, to sell or to eat, just casting them off to the side. But we notice that the parable is speaking to us about something else spiritually. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and as we look at it, we realize that this is the judgment day. And Jesus used a particular word when he talked about net. It wasn't, uh, how many of you guys that fish have a net that you carry with you, and when the fish gets close, you, you dip it in and pull the fish out? That, you know, we have those kinds of nets. I take that kind of net with my grandsons, and I don't know if we've ever caught a fish big enough to, <laughs> to pull it out that way. We usually catch about 50 of uh, fish about this size, but they have fun. But this was a different kind of net. It was a, a dragnet, was, was the word that was used in the original language. A dragnet has floats on the top, weights on the bottom, and as they cast it into the water, then it makes a curtain where the fish cannot get out. They pull it out lengthwise, and then they drag it towards the shore. And they catch everything that is there. And that's the kind of net that was being used. It would have caught everything that was in that area. And, and as we think about this, we, we realize that this probably has a, a dual meaning to it. Uh, first of all, uh, when we think about Judgment Day, we're concerned about the fact that it's all of the nations of the world. Everyone will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But we also notice he's talking here, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And as we think about that, we realize that it could be talking about the visible church. Everybody that comes to church, the visible church. But inside the visible church is what we call the invisible church. Those that are actually trusting in Jesus for salvation. When I talk to you, there could be some in this visible church that come because, well, mom and dad go to church. Or my husband goes to church, or my wife goes to church, or it's maybe because mom would have expected it, even though she's been dead for a while. But they are not trusting in Jesus. And so we begin to see, 
At the end of the age or the end of the world, it tells us the angels will come and they will separate those who are believers from those who are not. And Jesus mentioned this over and over again in in parables. There was the parable of the, the ten virgins or the ten talents and the sheep and the goats and the tares and the wheat. And so Jesus warns people everywhere to be prepared for the kingdom of God. We think about this separation of fish. This was something that these fishermen did uh, over and over again. I mean, they, had, uh, they understood exactly what was going on. But here is a picture of the angels on the day of judgment. And Jesus wanted to impress upon these people the exceeding preciousness of the kingdom of heaven. And the necessity for everyone to take possession of it. And we notice it says those who are cast out, they're not just left there on the shore to die, but where does he say they go? Fiery furnace. And I believe that there's three different aspects to this. There's the emotional aspect, there's the physical aspect, and there's also the eternal aspect. There in that fiery furnace, he says, there will be weeping. Here, there are tears that Jesus is talking about with those who are unconsolable. They have been left out of heaven forever. A never-ending wretchedness and utter everlasting hopelessness. There's not only the emotional, but the, the physical. And, and you've maybe heard me talk about this before, but every time I, I come across this, it talks about gnashing of teeth. And I under, became uh, very much aware of what gnashing of teeth was. Um, some of you remember back, I, it was about my first year at, at uh, Faith, and I had kidney stones. Do you remember that? And I've had them several times since then. You've had a few kidney stones. Okay, you were in the emergency room when I came in. Heidi was my nurse when I went up there. But I, it, it was about 10 days later, Dr. Spence uh, blasted them with this lithotripsy. First, they put a, a stint in from your kidney to your bladder. And then somehow with sound waves, I was out, you know, I didn't experience it. But they blast them. And it breaks them all up. And about 10 days later, you go and you have to have the, the stint removed. Well, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't realize that all of those little chips were still in there. And he says to me, you know, it was about a 30-second procedure. He says, grit your teeth. This is going to hurt. And he gave it a tug. And all of those little chips just ripped in there. And the burning. And I remember, I was standing, I wasn't, you know, guys don't cry. (laughs) But the tears were just running down my face. And here Jesus says there will be what? Gnashing or gritting of teeth because of pain. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be physical, and it's going to be eternal. Jesus uh, spoke about in Mark chapter 9, verses 47 and 48. And he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two and be thrown into hell 
where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus asked his disciples that question. Do you understand? And we have to ask ourselves that same question. Do we understand? Proverbs uh, 27.12 says, The prudent sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple just keeps on going and suffers for it. And so we have this first parable that was really placed at the end. And uh, we notice in that parable, it speaks to us about a separation at the day of judgment. But let's go back to the other two parables. And and really, we're going to look at these next two parables side by side. The parable of the field and the parable uh, of the pearl. And uh, we notice the physical aspects of them. Uh, both of them, there was a man and a, and a merchant, and they saw something that was of great value. And they, were, they rejoiced in seeing that great value. And they did what? They sold everything they had to purchase that which they had found. The first one sold everything to purchase the field that had the treasure in it, and the next one to purchase the pearl that was of great value. But let's understand the symbolism here because they both say this is a picture of the kingdom of heaven. You know, heaven is that great value, isn't it? There's a treasure hidden in a field and a pearl of great value. And Jesus is speaking about that treasure of heaven. He understood the importance of making sure that we're going there. First of all, we think about this man. He knew the value of the treasure. What did he do? He sold everything that he had to purchase heaven. The price? Everything. Everything that he had. We have to ask the question, who is? Who is that man? Is this a picture of you or is this a picture of me? Have we sold everything to purchase that great treasure? Have you? Have you given your life over to the Lord so that he controls every aspect of it? Does he control everything from your thought life down to your finances? We see the desperate need to make sure that we have the kingdom of heaven. But have you paid that price? And far too often, we fool ourselves thinking that we've gathered up enough resources to purchase it. How far will your resources go? We fool ourselves into thinking that our resources will go farther than they do. A pride oftentimes causes us to think, well, we're sufficient. Pride corrupts our evaluation to the point, well, that we can't even see correctly our situation. But how does God evaluate our situation? God peers into our hearts and he sees what nobody else can see because outwardly, We like to sterilize, don't we, what someone else sees, what comes out of our mouth to the best of our ability. But when God peers into our heart, 
What does he see? Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us, The heart is desperately, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, as a pastor and probably as uh, someone that's had a lot of years under their belt, uh, I've come to the point where very little surprises me. Is that the way it is with you when you think about people? Very little really surprises you? And I've seen it in my own life to know that it's a reality, my own attitudes at times. The anger when I'm tired and something pops up and it just easily comes out. But it was hidden in there all along, wasn't it? I can see it, but God sees it even better. The statement was made in Genesis 6, 5, and God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This parable speaks about selling everything and purchasing heaven. But what is your purchasing power? You know, far too often we we fool ourselves into thinking that our resources will go farther than they will. Uh, I remember back to when I was just a a young boy. Uh, This will maybe date me in several ways. I got an allowance of how much, what do you, did anyone guess how much I got a week as an allowance? Yeah, who, who said that? That was exactly right. I got 25 cents and I thought that was, that was a great amount. And I, I had this vision that I was going to save that 25 cents up until I could build myself a cabin up in the mountains. I lived in Colorado and I had... How many of you remember the Sears catalog? The Amazon before the internet, right? You could look at that and I thought, okay, here's a, here's a light fixture and I saved my, all of my 25 cents is up and I, I would put that. And uh, you, by the way, all you had to do for Sears was uh, instead of purchase it right online, you'd call them up on the phone and they'd send it right to you, wouldn't they? And uh, I had tricked myself into thinking that I had more than what I really had. And sometimes we do that when we think about our relationship with God. Have you sold everything and purchased that treasure called heaven? Do you have the resources to purchase it? Are you the person in the parable? And I have to say, I, I, I don't think that I have, and probably none of you have. And so we ask the question, who is the person in the parable? The person in the parable has to be Jesus. Jesus is the one who sold everything. It is Jesus who saw that great treasure of heaven for us. And he stepped out of heaven, came to this world was crucified, he sold everything so that he could purchase it and give it to us as a free gift. Isn't that amazing? He knew that we didn't have the resources to pay for it, and because he loved us, he came, and he wants to offer it to us as a free gift. That portion of scripture that Phil read out of Isaiah, listen to it with that context. Come, you who are thirsty, 
Come to the waters, you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear, come and hear me. Give ear that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Come and receive that mercy that was promised to David. Jesus extends a gracious offer to you here today. It's that same offer that was extended to Abraham as God said, just go out and look at the stars. Here's Abraham. He had never had a child. He was so old he thought he never could have a child. And in reality, without God's help, he couldn't. And God says, your descendants will be like the stars of heaven, too numerous to count. And what did Abraham do? Even though he was so old that he thought he could never have a child, he simply believed God. And God counted that faith as righteousness. The angels on judgment day will come to separate the righteous from the wicked. And those who trust in God's promises, God counts it as righteousness. You can see this person in the parable in two different ways. You can see it as yourself, but you will never have the assurance that you're going to heaven. And the reason is because you're not. Because your resources are insufficient. You haven't sold everything to buy that precious pearl of eternal life. Or you can see this person as Jesus who came to give you that pearl of great price, heaven himself and God himself. And when you do, you will love him, you will worship him, and you will honor him because of all that he's done. Lord Jesus, today as we think about this, uh, these parables, we see that you loved us. Let us put our hope and our trust in you and nothing else. And when we do, Lord, what a joy and a peace you give. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.